Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Chris Gordy, who is a friend of the show and joins us uh, every so often of Sports Talk 790 there in Houston and also of the Locked on SEC podcast. Chris, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. How you doing? Hey, guys. Always good to be on with you. I was just uh, down in uh, West Palm Beach for the week at spring training and all that, and uh, I've never missed the central time zone more than, than I do when I go out to the East Coast. I don't know how those idiots do it out there, but <laughs> uh, good to be back here in the central time zone where we belong. Yeah, so how was spring training over there? What was that experience like? I was okay. It's, you know, we, we uh, the station I work for, we cover the Astros, and so we got to hang out there all week and did some interviews with the guys and, you know, obviously kind of cool with them being the uh, the World Series champions. They, they carry themselves with a little bit more cockiness and, and confidence. So uh, it was kind of cool just being out there and uh, taking all that in, getting to see some of the other teams. I uh, got to go to the game on Saturday to see them play the Mets. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's just really chill. If you've never been to – it's just a, a spring training trip. I recommend it because, look, it's cold all over the rest of the country. It was 85 every day. I got sunburned. It was uh, it was nice. It was relaxing. But it was funny. We went to a, a sports bar Saturday afternoon after the game, and I really wanted to watch Arkansas-Bama. And, uh, yeah, the time zone thing just throws you off. But it was funny. We were sitting at a bar, and the, they're do, going through the pregame stuff, and there was a guy at the bar who literally eats over and goes, hey, did they just pat down Brandon Miller? <laughs> I said, you know what? I think they did, and then I saw the uh, the um, you know you know on social media, and then of course the Alabama fans come out and go, "Oh, he's been doing that all year, no big deal." But yeah, it was just kind of funny being in West Palm Beach, Florida. Even there, people recognize, "Hey, is that the guy who uh, gave the gun to the guy who murdered the girl?" Oh yeah, that's him. Hey, did they just pat him down? Yeah, they did. So we we saw it. Yeah, that was uh, that was quite the thing, and it was also just quite the thing with the game itself, where. Uh, you know, Arkansas is a, a team that's been trying to get back and get right, and Nick Smith's been a huge part of that too. But uh, Alabama's really good, but it seems like the, the Razorbacks are at least giving them all that they wanted and possibly could be a dangerous team as March comes nearer. Well, this is, you know, that game right there, if you're an Arkansas fan, you should be pissed from a standpoint of, you know, Alabama is literally, like, as soon as all the negativity started to come out in the last week, I don't know how they didn't at least say, well, look, we're going to sit Brandon Miller a couple games just to kind of show we, we did something, we tried something. We don't know if it's the right thing to do, but, like, the fact you do nothing looks even worse. And it's magnified in that you, they go play this close game at South Carolina last week where they go to overtime and eventually will it, win it on a Brandon Miller game winner. And then against Arkansas, a close game that they end up winning and Brandon Miller performs well. And you just can't help but, like, in, in you know, kind of look at it through, through a lens. If you're an Arkansas fan, yeah, they should have suspended Brandon Miller, and that probably would have been a game that you would have won. And because they have no soul, and they just keep playing this guy who provided a murder weapon to a murderer, yet they keep going, well, the, the PD here said he didn't do anything wrong. Of course they said that. It's Tuscaloosa but Police Department. They're going to look the other way for Bryce Young, Will Anderson, any star athlete player. And they're doing it right now with Brandon Miller, and it just feels dirty. It feels grimy. It feels like we're, you know, they're selling their soul to try to go win a championship. And man, I, I already know that there's 13 other teams uh, across the SEC, or, or really 15, if we include Oklahoma and Texas, that want to see Alabama lose. But man, I feel like they're, they're the villain across the country going into the SEC tournament here real soon. And 
tournament going into the NCAA tournament. I don't know anybody who doesn't believe, you know, believe crimson uh, colors that's going to be rooting for Alabama and Brandon Miller. I think that game was more reflective of Arkansas showing that they can play at that level. And as you said, it's a game that they'll be thinking about they should have won or more so that Alabama has been affected over the last couple of games. And you saw that they played a close game against South Carolina. And then Arkansas is a much better team. But do you think that that game specifically said more about Arkansas or Alabama? Yeah, and that's what, like, I don't want to take away, right? I mean, you should be encouraged if you're an Arkansas fan because there's, there's been some duds on the schedule as of late. And that one you, you battled through. I just, I wonder, you know, we start to, we're starting to sift through this with just a couple of games left. And you start to ask, you know, is there work left to be done? You know, does Kentucky have to win a couple more here? Does, yeah, I think Auburn, I, I almost put them on the bubble now looking at their last two two games against Bama and Tennessee. It almost feels like they got to win one of those because uh, if they lose both of those and they're one and done in the SEC tournament, I don't, I don't, I'm not putting Auburn in. Like they have been terrible the last two, three weeks. Um, you know, Kentucky, I think, has done enough. Uh, you know, Dolan already has them right there knocking on the door. Um, I think Arkansas has done enough. Um, you know, we'll see how they finish here these last couple of games. But, you know, the, the SEC is not, you know, somebody asked me the other day how many SEC teams are getting in. I said, I think five, but n- nothing's guaranteed here. I, you know, I think A&M's definitely in, Alabama's in, Tennessee's in. Um, you know, you, you kind of go from there. But, yeah, I mean, there's some teams kind of teetering right now, and, and, and Auburn's one of them. I think Arkansas is in, but, man, it's it, – how, how many times this year have we watched Arkansas? I know the Nick Smith injuries played a factor, but how many times have we looked at him and said, oh, that's a complete product? You know, it feels like even in some of the wins, Arkansas hasn't played their best. So um, maybe the best is yet to come. We'll see. Speaking with Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790, as well as the Locked On SEC podcast here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline. So, Chris, uh, a question for you. Since we've been talking about basketball, we'll get into some football here in a second, too. If I was to tell you that a team from the SEC not named Alabama was to make the Final Four this year in basketball, who would you be putting your money on? You know, I still question Texas A&M. And, and look, Buzz Williams is a really good coach. Um, and they've won a lot of They've won more games this year than I think anybody thought they So they've been, not, they've been surprising. But to me, it's got to be Tennessee. I mean, they just got uh, – uh, Josiah Johnson back, and, and he performed pretty well over the weekend. vestavi uh, has been great shooting the three. Uh, they defend, you know, the typical Rick Barnes team. They, they defend really hard, though. So I think it's Tennessee. You know, they, they've had a couple of duds here in, in recent weeks. But um, I would say it's probably going to be Tennessee. But the, the interesting thing is I, I made a bold prediction a few weeks ago on our radio station because the, uh, the Final Four is, is here in Houston where I live. And – uh, I made a bold prediction that three teams from Texas I think are going to get into the Final Four, whether that's University of Houston, Texas Longhorns, TCU, uh, A&M. I think it's going to be you – know, it, it would just be kind of funny for the state of Texas uh, to get a couple of Texas teams into the Final Four. But um, I don't know. I, I've, I've seen A&M in person twice this year. They, they're, they're fine. They're a good team. But I don't, I don't think they're going to get hot and go on that run. But – Remember what they did last year? They got hot in the SEC tournament and, and made it all the way to the I think it was the championship game against Tennessee, and uh, then they ran through the NIT and, and got to the title game there. So A uh, and M is, is a team that uh, they got some veteran pieces, some guys who've been up, run a program for a couple of years. So I wouldn't count them out, but yeah, I mean, it, to me, it still feels like Alabama and Tennessee are the 
the two elite teams in the SEC. So the next three teams, and um, not necessarily that they're seated this way right now, but Kentucky, Arkansas, A&M, how would you rank the three of them in order? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously A&M's got the, the, the record, uh, uh, very impressive record. Kentucky, it felt like they had figured everything out, and then they, they hit a skid and uh, and now it seems like they bounced back and, you know, got a nice, you know, nice win at Tennessee and then took care of business the other night against Auburn. So Kentucky seems like they're starting to figure things out. So maybe I put them slightly ahead of Arkansas, but I, I, I would honestly, I, I would put all three of those in the hat and, and, and mix it up. I mean, of course, Calipari, um, you know, he's, he's been there, done that. He's been to multiple Final Fours. He's got the championship and all that. So, you know, I think pedigree sometimes matters when you get here, but uh, don't cut on Arkansas. I mean, the, the, the deep playoff runs these last couple of years uh, or tournament runs, I think there's something to be said for that. And uh, and that coaching staff, they, they know how to do it when, when they get there. So, um, yeah, I, I would say all three are kind of – you can kind of mix them, mix them up into a hat. But, uh, you know, look, if you told me Musselman's going to make another deep run in the tournament this year, I would not be surprised. Well, hey, Arkansas's got Tennessee on the road tomorrow and then Kentucky at home on Saturday, so they may be able to prove it themselves as far as uh, where they rank out there. But, uh, Chris, I want to move and shift over to football because something you uh, tweeted out, something we were talking about too, was with the NFL Combine upcoming and knowing that uh, Bryce Young, Alabama quarterback, may be the first quarterback taken off the board, maybe in the first overall pick if the Bears end up trading that pick, look, it looks like they're going to be able to do one of the things that was brought up is about his height, five ten and a half, and you know height gets thrown around a lot. Quarterback height, especially, and I think it's sometimes overblown, especially when you have a lot of examples of smaller guys having success. Just what do you think about Bryce Young himself going into the NFL? Is he the best quarterback out there? And do you think that there's anything against his size that should be held against him? I think it's so stupid. Like I don't, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I know that's what the combine, all this stuff is for, is for all the, the pencil pushers to all, uh, you know, second guess guys and go, oh, I had him at six foot one, but he's actually six feet three quarters. And it, as if any of this means anything, it does. Um, you know, like, like I saw, you know, Todd McShane said, oh, I, I, I talked to somebody who said, Bryce Young's five, ten and a half. And I'd have huge questions about him at the next level. And it's like, we, guys, we have film, right? We've got two years of film. Of this guy playing as one of the best quarterbacks in the whole in the whole league of, of college football, uh, got to a championship game, lost it. You know, had a, an incredible run this year. Lost a, a, a game on a on a field goal kick at Tennessee and, a, and an overtime two point conversion at LSU. Other than that, steamrolled the competition. Even you know, whooped up on Kansas State in his, in his last game, his bowl game that he didn't even have to play in. And yet, we're going to take all that away. And go, no, 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 no. All that film, burn it. It doesn't matter because uh, we, we put a tape measure on this guy. He's not as tall as we thought he was. Like, it's, it's so silly. It's so stupid. There's a track record of, of quarterbacks six feet and under who have had success in this league, whether you want to go Drew Brees, Doug Flutie, or even Mike Vick, Mike Vick, who is six foot tall. You know, Kyler Murray is probably closer to, uh, to, to Bryce Young's actual height, but, you know, Bryce Young's a much better passer. I just don't, like, what's the concern? If the concern is he's not going to be able to see over the offensive line, well, I get some news for him. He played with six, seven, and six, eight offensive linemen all last year at Alabama, and he saw over them just fine, throwing you know with anticipation and all that. So take that out. If you want to say durability, okay, I guess, but like to act like Bryce Young was never hit in college, 
like big fast SEC D linemen and, and safeties on blitzes and all this. Like it's just so weird because you know people start to oh it's different in the NFL. I'm like okay, I guess, but like as if Bryce Young's just going to get hit and, and be crippled and never walk again. I, I don't understand what the concern is. Uh, he was so smart, so good with the football in avoiding hits in Alabama. Even with a mediocre offensive line at Bama this year, he was able to roll out of the pocket, buy himself time, and get rid of the ball and not take those hits. So I guess what the concern is, he's going to go to an NFL team and have a bad offensive line and get hit a lot. Well, that's not on Bryce Young. That's on the damn bad offensive line you're putting in front of him. So it's, it's silly. Again, I call this time it's a silly season where all the scouts want to just, you know, they're, they're looking for every excuse not to draft you. But if your biggest fear on drafting Bryce Young is that he might be 5'11 or whatever, then he's not your guy. You know, and to act like height has anything to do with this. You guys remember Brock Osweiler? He was six foot seven. How'd that work out? Get <laughs> all the height in the world. It's not, you know, as if, as if the height is what's going to make you a good quarterback. It's, you have the arm mechanics. Can you throw with anticipation? Can you throw your guys open? Bryce Young checks all those boxes except for the height. And it seems like people are going to knock him forward. And, and look, then, then pass on him. Then somebody, a good team's going to end up with Bryce Young if people are going to be that petty over this. We see every year that players go to the combine and, and improve their draft stock. Who are some of those players you're thinking about this year that can really shoot up their draft stock by performing well at the combine? Well, I, I look at the quarterbacks. We just found out today that Bryce Young is not going to throw at the combine. He's going to wait for his throw day. But we did find out C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson are all going to throw. So now the door opens, right? Like if, if, if uh, Will Levis goes out there and puts on a clinic, I think he's going to start to rise. And there's been some mock drafts that have had him maybe going one overall or you know, at least top five, top ten. But Anthony Richardson seems to be the fast riser. And I, and I just don't get it. I look at it and go, he's a guy who completed 53% of his passes last year in Florida. Ask any Florida fan what they think of Anthony Richardson as a passer. They'll go, eh, good, not great, needs a lot of work, but yet he has running ability, and all of a sudden, oh, that guy could be number one overall. I just I don't understand it. To me, I was always told you can't teach accuracy, yet it seems like a lot of teams are like, oh, yeah, we can teach this guy how to be more accurate. Um, I, I think Richardson's going to be a guy who's going to go in, wow. I, I saw him at the Manning Passing Academy last offseason, and, you know, watching him throw in a T-shirt and shorts, the guy can, can wow you for days. But, um, again, you know, the, the film doesn't lie. Watch what he did in Florida last year, throwing the ball at guy's feet at times and, uh, you know, throwing uncatchable balls out of bounds. Uh, I don't know if that's just going to suddenly get better at the NFL level, but uh, those are the two guys. I think Levis and Richardson, if they put on good showings this week at the combine, I think they can lock both of themselves in as top ten, if not top five draft picks. So, Chris, uh, I'm going to ask you as far as uh, just any player in general, and it can be a quarterback too, but uh, looking into the NFL combine, is there somebody that you have your eye on, somebody you think that maybe is getting undervalued, maybe not getting talked about enough that you think is going to make a a huge impression or or maybe a player that people are sleeping on as far as the NFL teams go? I've had two people tell me they are very intrigued, and this is a little local flavor for you guys, very intrigued by Drew Sanders, that they think that that, that Drew Sanders is a guy – uh, that will eventually be a, a big-time playmaker, um, you know, linebacker the next level. So um, just a name to, 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 to kind of keep an eye on. But, but for, uh, you know, as far as, like, receivers go, I think, you know, Quentin Johnson has been a guy that's been talked about a lot, the, the TCU wide receiver, um, that a lot of people believe that he should be the number one wide receiver. But 
it, you know, you go back and watch what USC did with, with Jordan Addison this past year and, and Lincoln Riley, how they utilized him, and he was already one of the best college wide receivers coming over from Pitt. I just start to look at that 12th pick for the Houston Texans, and, and if they go quarterback, they go Bryce Young, Cedric Stroud, number two. Do they go get that pass catching weapon? Jordan Addison looks more like that slot kind of guy, like you know, kind of speedster. And you start to look back at the San Francisco playbook and how they utilize Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, and I start to wonder if maybe that's the better fit for the Texans. But Quentin Johnson's the big body, prototypical wide receiver, but I almost wonder if a Jordan Addison would would suit them a little bit more. So those are just kind of some guys I would keep an eye on and how fast they run their 40 times and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, this happens every year, guys. We, we in January, February, we talk about, oh, this guy's the, the number one wide receiver, and then something happens combine week where this thing gets shuffled around. And somebody runs a 4-3-5, and suddenly they, they jump this other guy, and uh, you know, it happens every year. So just a couple names I'm going to be keeping an eye on this week. For uh, Quentin Johnston, he's one of those guys that he can do a lot because of his size and his speed. But one thing that he's been knocked on, and we don't talk a lot about mechanics when it comes to receivers. It's more about quarterbacks. But he doesn't go and high point the ball at 6'4". He more so lets the ball come into him and, and catches it you know, more with his body. So I think that's something that some of the scouts are going to be looking for at the Combine to see if he's worked on that or to see if they can possibly work with him to tweak that in some kind of way. Yeah, and, and somebody told me yesterday that they would love to see if the Titans could somehow get one of those type of guys. I, I don't know if they, they could somehow get Johnson to fall to him or trade up for him, but that that would be the perfect complement to a Traylon Burke. Suddenly, you know, you got a good complement of receivers there. If they keep Derrick Henry, uh, they retool that offensive line. I don't know if they're going to keep Ryan Tannehill or not, but – uh, yeah, suddenly you got a pretty good one-two punch at receiver. So something to keep an eye on there. And I know Burke, you know, had a had a nice uh, rookie year for when he was healthy, and uh, you know, I'm sure he would welcome another big body receiver to come in there and help him. Well, Chris, uh, real quick before I let you get out of here, I'm curious because you're a baseball guy. This pitch clock stuff. Well, what, what's your opinion on it in the majors and in college? It's stupid. It, it's unnecessary. This, I mean, we're, we're already seeing a couple of extreme cases of of this thing come to roost. Um, I will say I was at the, the spring training game. I was at Saturday. I was in and out of there in about two hours and 25 minutes. And I got to say, that was pretty nice. I know some of the college games have been running a little bit quicker. So, you know, from that standpoint, I, I, I appreciate it, but man, if we're going to call this thing so ticky tacky where, you know, guys already got two strikes and, Oh, the, the batter didn't get set in the box. And so it's strike three. Like, what are we doing here? Like common sense has to prevail. <laughs> You know, give a guy a warning. Hey, get hurry up, get set, get back in the box, whatever you got to do. But like calling it where it ends an inning, you know, like with the Braves Red Sox, um, you know, game the other day, like it, that's just silly. There, there's no reason to do that. Um, for the most part, I've seen the pitchers seem like they've adapted to it. Um, you know, it, it's funny uh, being a spring training, you get to watch the guys throw a live VP. Some of these pitchers, they can throw three pitches in, in a in a 40-second, 50-second span. So, like, when you see that in person, it's like, well, yeah, do we even need a pitch clock? So, um, I, I don't know. This may be something that everybody adapts to, and maybe they're just calling it a little bit stricter now early in the year. But, um, I don't know. I, to me, it's, it's a little bit silly. I get trying to speed up the games, but, you know, shorten commercial breaks, shorten other things. We don't need to uh, hold these guys to such a standard.